Welcome to another edition of the Sourced Weekend Review when we look back at all things worthy of discussing in the world of audience engagement, media if you like, communications in general. Joining me as always is Jordan McDonald. Jordan, welcome. Hi, Michael. My name is Michael Crutcher and this time of year, Jordan, of course, we come to the end of the TV ratings period. So that finished last Saturday night. Yep. And when we come to the end of the TV ratings period, that means we can go back and look at all of the data that it spits out and try to work out which is the number one TV network for the year. But it's not an easy task. No, there's a lot of data. A lot. Because if you've looked at different media outlets this week, you would have seen that Channel 7 believes it's the number one station yep. for the year. Mm-hmm. But so does... So does 9. Yeah, <laughs> 9 and 7. Yeah. Now, surely there can't be two winners, people would say. No. But what we're trying to do here is look at the number one TV network for the year, but it's not the same as the old days when you had the TV uh, set in the corner of the lounge room and you had five channels to choose from. Yeah. It's different now. We've got to look at the winners of the primary station of the year, the number one station in terms of the number one channel, I guess. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that would be station, sorry. The multi-channels that go across yep. all of these. The seven-day time-shifted viewing, 28-day consolidated figures, and your broadcast video on demand. Goodness. So it's no wonder we can have two winners because depending on what you do with your stats. Correct. So Channel 9, we think, is undisputed in it was the most watched of the single stations. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, that's 6 p.m., that prime time slot, yeah. Yep, so 9 was the number one of those Channel 7, however, if you add in the, the extra channels, the 7 Mates, 7 Flicks, 7 Two, mm-hmm. add all those in and it got more viewers than 9. Yes. Okay, with 9's extra channels. Correct. But then if you look at the broadcast video on demand, mm-hmm. that's your, your 9 Now app. Yeah, channel streaming apps. Yeah, yeah, 7 app. Well, 9 probably wins there with its best performing app. But we should also say that, yes, it's an Olympic year. So Olympic years always skew towards the station with the Olympics. Of course, it was Channel 7. However, for these ratings, there is an agreement that Olympics will be taken out. Yep. Otherwise, it skews everything. So we're talking about a year in which 7 and 9 claiming different number ones Olympics out. But one thing we can do is look at the top 20 shows. Now, that one is a bit clearer. It's not so murky as to what we did watch. But, Jordan, what were the learnings from the top 20 shows for this year? The top 20 shows this year are pretty much just sport and reality TV. So the top five, actually, for this year were all sport. You have the AFL Grand Final, the NRL Grand Final, the AFL Grand Final Presentations, (laughs) And then State of Origin match one and two for that fourth and fifth spot. There you go. The top five, all sport. All sport. And you mentioned reality. So what sort of reality shows sneak into the top Uh, 20? You've got things like The Block, The Voice, and then Married at First Sight. They were all three mentions in that list, yeah. Okay, so we're looking at a year in which uh, television stations, and we should say as well, the Olympics are out of this, but so, of course, are the Netflixes and the stands and the binges and the the Amazon. We're not looking here at – they're not compared. This is is your channels 7, 9, 10, ABC, SBS, Mm -hmm. and 
we'd love to know really the most accurate figures on where those streaming services would fit into that whole thing as well because we're talking here about what we can measure in terms of the free-to-air television and that's what we can measure. So I looked at what might be coming up for next year as well because there's obviously coverage of that and um, an interesting quote from a senior Channel 9 person who said, we have an amazing spine of proven performers for next year from the Australian Open Tennis through Married at First Sight, Lego Masters, Ninja Warrior, Celebrity Apprentice, Beauty and the Geek, The Block and Love Island. So... If you throw in the NRL on Channel 9 next year, I'm guessing that next year looks pretty much the same in television land as this year. Pretty much the same, I reckon so. So what does that tell us? Not a lot's changing. (laughs) Not a lot is going to change. Sport still is the king for content on the the networks. It still brings people's eyeballs to the television. And that's, I guess, why we were interested after COVID came and there was all sorts of mayhem with sport mm. in terms of being able to have the competitions at the time across the world and we all wondered whether that would lead to a fall in broadcast rights figures paid to sporting competitions. The NRL's got a big um, renewal coming up at the moment um, and what we've seen there, Jordan, given the figures of this year, sport is still really valuable. So sporting competitions can be really happy about that. Mm -hmm. And plus we're looking just at all sorts of different reality TV. And let's face it, these aren't shows that uh, are going to break any records for innovation. Love Island I'm thinking about, um, Beauty and the Geek. They're they're staples, aren't they? But we're not seeing much here – in terms of changes in TV, like you said, this is this is there's no new formula. It's the same formula. No, it is the same formula. Like a lot of those shows, there's nothing new in there. They're all just you know re- renewing seasons there. But I think these reality TV shows in particular really suit the direction that networks are seeing uh, the most viewers, and that's on that those streaming apps. So, for example, Love Island is sitting at about 89 episodes currently. For this season. So you can... and they're 40, For a season? They're about 45 minutes each. Wow. So for people at home who now prefer to pick what they watch, when they watch it and where they watch it, uh, that is it's going to suit them more. And it's just constant. It's a, that's a lot of content to get through. It's a lot of minutes. That's fascinating. 89 episodes. Well, I guess you look at that compared to, say, um, drama or comedy, etc. when you've got to sit down... Get yourself a script for shows. Get all the crews there. Do the the table reads, etc. That's expensive stuff. You're paying excellent actors, and and I guess I guess reality TV in that way. Love Island. Let's face it. You got to have your production there, but then you've got a whole bunch of people without a script mm-hmm. who can put together TV quickly. And, you know, cheaply in some way. Same as news. That's why news, we still have the one hour of news at six o'clock um, for seven and nine. Because news, yeah, there, there is a cost to news, but it's not those, you can go out and get a two minute, you know, two and a half minute TV news item with one camera, one young reporter and put together some decent TV. So that's inexpensive as well. But it's very different to, I guess, back when, you know, TV stations 
when their big things were drama and comedy and things that were scripted mm-hmm. and they had high production values. Yeah. But out of that, I'm interested. So what about for you, Jordan, out of what you've seen there from the top 20 ch- shows for the year, what you're seeing is working in the, um, the broadcast video on demand. Is that represent, say, what you and your friends would watch? I think, I mean, Love Island is certainly something our age or my demographic is very interested in because I've got three mates or loose mates who are on the show. So the, <laughs> the age of the people on the show is very much our current age. Um, but I th- also think reality TV in general will work for a long time because people are fascinated by the people, especially relationships. So being able to observe that over 80-odd episodes, nearly an hour each episode is just... It's guilty pleasure. It's fascinating. <laughs> I remember, didn't you once have a, uh, a friend who had some role on The Bachelor at one time too? Yes. The, well, one, I've had a couple go on there, but the most notable one being the Abbey Chatfield. So this is the one thing I didn't think about this. This is a way for uh, people of your uh, generation to keep up with each other. It is, but it's also a way for them to become influencers, which I think for a few of them is the real uh, motivation. And some of them uh, suit being an influencer, others maybe not so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, we spoke there about next year, reality TV and sport looking as though the formula's the same. Speaking yeah. of things that not much has changed in, I moved to Twitter because there was a big announcement in the Twitter world this week and what was that? Yeah, the start of the week, the CEO, Jack Dorsey, has announced he's stepping down. So he's handing over the reins to the chief technology officer. His name's Parag Agrawal. Um, so Jack's been under pressure for almost two years to sort of step aside because investors are losing confidence in his, abil- his abil- in his leadership. Sorry. Um, so we should say this is the founder and Jack Dorsey, someone who's correct. resigned. He's the founder. Yeah, he's resigned on Twitter before, so not the first time he's yes, resigned. Yes, back in 2008. That's right. And, of course, he resigned via Twitter because that's how you'd have to do it. Yeah. You couldn't do it on some other platform. But you're right. Or when Dorsey announced his resignation this week, the share price went up. It did. It went up 9%, I think. Yeah, so it's a massive, massive increase. And obviously it reflects the, um, the, the, the thinking behind with the investors that they're, they're worried about him being at the helm there. Yep. So that fresh change would be really motivating and really encouraging. So we've got a situation where it's so competitive now in this market Mm. and let's not forget Dorsey started Twitter as a group messaging service among friends and it grew from there 15 years or so ago. When Twitter was listed on the share market in 2013, it's a very interesting stat this week. In that time since 2013, its share price has gone up 80%. Okay. In the same time, Facebook share price has gone up nearly 800%. Wow. So I guess that's one of the challenges here and why Dorsey's move has been seen as maybe it had to happen. Yeah, well, in 2008 he, was, he resigned because there was the concern that he wasn't keeping up with the pace of the other social networks in terms of the development and the offering new features and products. Um, and then, you know, he was brought back in again to try and solve that problem and it's ironic now that he's also leaving because there's similar concerns <laughs> again. Um, I mean, he's more recently been credited for the trying to push new products up. Like they've got Twitter Spaces, uh, Twitter Blue and the live Twitter shopping now. But compared to Facebook, 
and you know, it's like Snapchat and TikTok. It's just they're they're way behind. Yeah, where do you see Twitter? Because there is in there. You mentioned that TikTok's come along with its uh, video base as well. Insta, we know all about Instagram. Mm. Um, where do you see Twitter at the moment? I just don't see where it can go at the moment. Like, there's no clear direction that it's headed. I know that it's it's great for live commentary around important events or important issues. I know you use it a lot for as a news source, and that's mm. great because that that's a it has a purpose there. But you know, we were speaking earlier, and I asked, you know, do you ever go onto Twitter because you enjoy being on there? Like, yeah, you have fun or you want to be on there, and it's just not the case. Like, I can't, mm. I don't know anyone that goes onto Twitter going, yeah. I need to get on Twitter. I've missed out all day. I just need to see what's happening. It's yeah. It's sort of become, you know, the the digital partner at work for for those who need it. But other than yeah, that, yeah. I think that's a great point. I, I see Twitter as the domain of journalists and politicians, mm. which says a lot in itself about that. I don't see it as the domain of people who do go to have a good time. I find Twitter is a nasty place. Mm. I find that Twitter for too long let the nastiness run free and I think that um, scared a lot of people off. I, I know I use Twitter only as a news service. I really have no interest in people's arguments about politics. Um, you know, the, it's a, you put up something even a little bit controversial, you can be expected to, you know, have a, a fair bit of feedback from the Twitter crowd even if you don't know them. So I find that a place that is invaluable as a news service for me in terms of breaking news but I don't go there at all I used to put the front page of the Korea Mail up every night um, at about 10 o'clock yeah. coming the next day and I'd have a fair bit of free advice from Twitter users yeah. uh, yeah. Either, either side of politics pretty quickly too so yes. I don't think it ever did that I think I think Facebook and Insta have been shown to be places that have taken a you know whether I'm right or wrong and this is a perception that Facebook and Insta are safer places we're mm. not likely to get um, shouted at as much yep. and so for that I, I, I'm interested to see where Twitter goes uh, obviously Dorsey has had his chance there uh, I still don't know how they properly monetize it compared to some of the others speaking of places that uh make you feel safe on social media. YouTube has done something in that regard this week. What's it done? So YouTube has decided to remove the dislike count on videos across the entire platform. Now, this actually happened last month, early last month, um, but I never thought to look into it more, more in more in depth until recently when it was really becoming obvious on the videos. Um, so what they did is YouTube ran an experiment removing the, the dislike count on videos. So this is where you can go on and have a thumbs up or thumbs yeah, down so icon? Yeah, so the thumbs up and thumbs down, it sits beneath the video, you know, you can see the, the like and dislike there. So they, they, YouTube published an official blog ex- explaining that the change was an experiment to see if it would better protect the creators from harassment and dislike attacks. So the dislike attacks, if you're not familiar, would be... You know, uh, someone who's uploaded a video and, you know, someone's posted something negative about it and everyone who's come across to see this video is just spamming it with dislike, um, which pretty much buries the video. So that experiment that YouTube ran, it showed a reduction in dislike attacking behaviour, uh, which they also found that new creators were most susceptible to and being unfairly targeted. 
So, yeah, on the 10th of November last month, uh, they, they've they hidden all the, mm. the dislike counts and all the videos. It's probably a good move, that, isn't it? <clears throat> In the sense that it would make it feel a bit of a safer place if you want to go on there and be a creator? Yeah, look, I, I do agree that the decision, especially to protect younger creators on the platform, it's a good idea. But I like that the like. I should mention too that the like count still exists. Yeah, you so can still see that's that. Still there. I like <coughs> that that's still shown because that's a positive emotion for creators and people who watch the video. But one thing that I did think about was social credibility. I said if you go searching for a legitimate news video, like a specific highlight, or if you are a creator who's built a reputation for having well liked versus disliked videos, those dislike counts are really important because viewers can get an instant indication of whether that video or source is credible or good value. So it's, it's, it's an instant peer review. So for, the, for those creators, that tool has just been completely removed for them. Um, so I know Facebook, or sorry, YouTube has a hard time putting a lid on all the spam videos and clickbait videos already. And I wonder if this will just mean those online trolls who are maybe doing the uh, dislike attacking will just turn to making nonsense videos, yeah. which then waste users' time. But I also thought maybe this is a, a little tactical move for YouTube because there's no way for users to quickly review the video. It's going to pe- keep people's eyes on videos for a bit longer. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. There's a couple of ways to look at it there. That's a good point. It, it would keep people's eyes on for longer mm. if they're having to make their own mind up about it. Correct. And those creators, they can still see the dislike number. That's in their analytics. So yep. they're not completely protected from it if it's a video that's being heavily disliked. So you, you can you can argue whether the change is really protecting the creator as much as YouTube believes it is. Yeah. But I suppose we'll have to wait and see. So always things moving in social media worlds, aren't there? That, always. Uh, and I think, yeah, I mean, if it was um, if it was as easy as it as it looked, I mean, Twitter share price would have gone up by more than eighty percent, mm. just like Facebook's has. So now, speaking of uh, sport and TV, the Big Bash League, the BBL returns on Sunday night, so it's back. We're definitely in a summer with the BBL Excellent. back. Excellent. Um, and. We're very proud to work here with the Brisbane Heat this year and they're away on Monday night. They okay. start their campaign Monday night in Canberra against the Sydney Thunder and then they're yep. off to Perth to play the Perth Scorchers on Wednesday night, which is, of course, day one of the Ashes series. So a massive cricket week next yeah, week and week. we wish the Heat very well and Definitely. look forward to those games. And you're off next week. So we look forward to you coming back and we'll do two more weeks in review episodes before Christmas gets here really fast. So yeah. have a great week and we look forward to seeing you uh, back the week after. Thanks you too, Michael.